This morning we're, we're taking a, a little break from reading Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. And instead we're going to shift our focus as we, as we come towards Easter. We're going to focus upon Jesus, but specifically on encounters that people have had with Jesus. Our temptation as we read through the Bible stories is to, to look at them as just that, as, as good stories that we can tell. And we, we lose sight of the fact that these were real people, real people that had real encounters that, that really changed their lives. And the temptation is to look at those and, and to just leave them back there in the past. But the truth is those encounters are still happening today. Jesus is still changing lives today. And each and every one of those encounters, while they may be different, they all have one thing in common. They all come through the community experience with the body of Christ. Somebody in the body touching the life of somebody else, some way connected to Jesus. We tend to find what the people we hang out with are looking for. If you have back pain and you hang around with, with pharmacists or, or doctors, you're probably going to find a, a medicine to help you with that back pain. But if you hang around people who are more into natural remedies, then you're probably going to find a chiropractor or some, some herbal remedy to help you with that back pain. You find what people you're hanging out with are looking for. The problem comes in when we, we try looking for God, but we surround ourselves with people who are looking for something entirely different. Because as we seek God, if we seek God without that Christian community, then we are going to have a difficult time finding him. And this is one of our, our fundamental needs as a human, to, to have that relationship with God. We know that you know, we have the hierarchy of needs. We need food, we need clothes, we need shelter and, and security. We, we understand all those, those physical needs, but but we're more than just physical beings. We have needs that go beyond the physical. And we have these, these fundamental needs as people. First and foremost is a desire for a relationship, for, for intimacy with God. We want to have a relationship with him. And some people I know will vehemently disagree with this point. They'll say, I don't need God. I don't want God. They'll, they'll deny it. They'll rename it something different. They will repress that desire. But the truth is, no matter how much you want to deny it, it is there. And it, it tends to come up, especially during hard times. We all have this spiritual longing within us. That is our desire for intimacy with God. We also then have our desire for community. We are relational creatures. We want to be in a group, and that group can be any group. It, we can have community here in the church. You can have community down at the bar. Those are all that fill that community desire, but we're going to look this morning, since we're talking about looking for God, we're going to focus on this church community. Because I've said it over and over again. Our, our culture tends to make church the building. 
We talk about going to the church, but this church, this, this building is not the church. The only reason that we call this building a church is because we, the body of Christ, come together here. We are the church. Without the people, this is just a building. It may as well be a, a car dealership or, or a supermarket. This building is not the church. But we have a fundamental need to be connected to that community. And we also have a desire or a need to have an influence on other people. We want our lives to mean something. We want to make a difference. We want to leave a legacy in this world. These are all different ways of saying the exact same thing. We want to change people's lives. We want to have influence in their lives. We want to enact meaningful change in the people around us. And each of these fundamental needs, they're, they're a part of us, and we, we, they, they overlap in different areas. You can have influence uh, on other people and intimacy with God. You can have a, a community as well as influence. The idea is to balance all of these needs, all of these desires within us. Because when we focus too much in one area, whatever area that may be, we become unbalanced. And when we become unbalanced, we become unsettled. We, we find unease. Something is off. Something is wrong. And maybe we can't put our finger on it. We can't pinpoint what it is, but we can tell that something is off. And the key is finding that sweet spot. Finding that happy medium where we are in proper balance. But this world, this world works against us. The cares and concerns of this world, they, they favor leaning to one side or the other. And it can be difficult to stay in that happy medium. To have the, the community and the intimacy with God and the influence on others. It's much easier to lean in one direction or the other. It's much easier to, to lean against the wall than it is to stand on your own two feet. In our scripture passage this morning, we're going to be looking in Mark chapter 2, and maybe this is your first time hearing this story, but it's, it's a, I would argue, one of the favorites in church because it, it's just crazy enough to, to grab our attention. And so as we begin reading in Mark chapter 2, it sets the scene for us. After a few days, Jesus went back to Capernaum, and people heard that he was at home. So many gathered, or so many people heard that, so many people gathered that, that there was no longer space, not even near the door. Jesus was speaking the word to them. Jesus had been doing his ministry thing. He'd been going around in the surrounding areas, teaching and preaching, healing the sick and doing miracles. And he had kind of set up a, a home base in Capernaum. And so after a lot of traveling and, and doing that stuff, he came back and the people heard about it. People began to gather to, to come see him. What were these people expecting? Probably more of the same thing that they'd been hearing about. They'd heard about the teaching and preaching and all the miracles, and that's, 
That's what they came to see. All of the same things. Word had begun to spread. Let me put it another way. You guys may understand this a little bit better. When you're sitting in your home and you hear sirens going on, maybe it's a fire truck, maybe it's an ambulance, what's the first thing that you do? You, you perk up and many of you start going to the window and you start looking out the window to see where everybody is, see what's going on. Some of you even go out into your front yard and you start watching to see that fire truck or that ambulance and they stop at the neighbor's house down the street and everybody is out on their lawns watching. They're all curious. They want to know what's going on. They want the latest scoop, the latest gossip. They want their curiosity satisfied. That's what these people were doing. They had heard about Jesus. They had heard about all the things that he was doing. And when that ambulance went down the street, they stood out on their front lawns trying to see what was going on. These people came to see something spectacular. And Jesus began to preach to them. Some people arrived, and four of them were bringing to him a man who was paralyzed. They couldn't carry him through the crowd, so they tore off part of the roof above where Jesus was. When they had made an opening, they lowered the mat on which the paralyzed man was lying. Now this is... This is the part of the story where we perk up. This is the part that, that grabs our attention. And for different people, it's for different reasons. I, I would say here in, in rural America, we, we hear this story and we say, okay, people came to hear Jesus. We get that. We understand that. No big deal. Uh, these men had a paralyzed buddy. They, they brought him to Jesus. Okay, all sounds good. And they couldn't get to Jesus, so they started tearing a hole in the roof. We're like, wait, 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 wait. That's not their house. They can't, that's destruction of property. They can't just go tearing holes in people's houses. But I encourage you, don't get distracted by that point. It goes on, when Jesus saw them, he said, wait, what are you doing? You can't tear a hole in my roof. Do you know how much this is going to cost? I sure hope you're planning to make a donation to my ministry to cover that. No, that's not what he said at all. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Child, your sins are forgiven. Some legal experts were sitting there muttering among themselves, Why does he speak this way? He's insulting God. Only the one God can forgive sins. And we give a lot of flack to these religious leaders and the experts of the law but they are 100% correct here. They have their theology straight. Only God can forgive sins. They're right. And so they, they begin to question Jesus, saying to themselves, what, how can he do this? What, what authority does he have to do this? This is blasphemy, what he's doing. Jesus immediately recognized what they were discussing, and he said to them, why do you fill your minds with these questions? Which is easier? To say to a paralyzed person, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your bed, and walk? Jesus recognizes their questioning minds. And some people will, will go and say, well, he was reading their minds to know what they were thinking, and that's entirely possible. He is God. He had all the power to do that. But I don't think it was necessary 
to read their minds. I stand up here every week and, and you guys come and, and you, you listen and you watch as I preach, but you guys may not realize as you're watching me, I get to watch you too. I can see what you guys are doing as you're playing on your phones, as you're taking naps. I can see all of it. And, and you guys make some of the most interesting faces. I can tell when things are going on in your heads. I, I start talking about how, how God wants us to serve other people. And I can see as the brows begin to furrow. And I start talking about how God has called us to give sacrificially and the arms begin to cross and the backs begin to hunch. And I don't have to read your minds. I can tell exactly what's going on. And I can imagine as Jesus is talking to this paralyzed man, he can see these religious leaders. And as he tells them, your sins are forgiven, their eyebrows begin to furrow and their arms begin to cross. And he doesn't have to read their minds. He knows what they are thinking. And so he tells them, but so you know that the human one, the son of man, has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, get up, take your mat and go home. Jesus raised him up and right away he picked up his mat and walked out in front of everybody. They were all amazed and praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. It's, it's ironic when I hear people claim that, that Jesus never said that he was God. Yet here we have an instance where the religious leaders were 100% correct, saying only God can forgive sins, questioning why Jesus could do this. And his response is, so that you know that I can do this so that you know that I am God, I'm going to heal this man. I will show you the power that I have and the authority that I have to do this. And this is usually where we focus. As we look at this story, we, we focus on the healing or we focus on, on the deity of Jesus. And those are entire sermons all by themselves. But I don't want to look at that today. I want to look at, at how we got to this point. I want to look at, at how we got here. And, and the groups and, and the interactions, the, the communities that brought this to be. As we look at this, there are three different communities. And the first that I want to look at are the curious crowds. You know, those people who saw the ambulance go down the street and they stood out on their front lawns to see what was going on, to, to get the latest gossip. Because that's what the curious crowd does. The curious community stands by and watches. That's what we saw with these people. They, they showed up because they heard stuff about Jesus. They, they showed up to be entertained, to get the latest gossip. These are the Christians that they tend to lean toward immaturity. They're connected to God. They have a relationship with him. These people came to Jesus because they knew that they needed him. And they have that community where they, they gather together. They come to church because, well, that's what they're supposed to do. These would be the people who they would, they would freely testify, yes, I love this God thing. I have that relationship with him. And I like my Christian friends. I like coming to church and, and, and having that community with them. I don't really like the whole change 
thing. I like my life the way it is. If everything can just stay the same, I'm not concerned with, with changing my life. I'm not concerned really with, with changing others because that's just going to disrupt my community and my little world. These people gathered around Jesus because that was the place to be. And they were so intent on satisfying their own curiosity that these men with the paralytic could not get through. These people came to see a miracle, and here was a man who needed Jesus, who could not get through the crowds. The man who needed to, to get to Jesus couldn't get there because all the crowds were gathered around. It, it's kind of ironic. They came for a miracle, but stood in the way of that miracle taking place. This curious community is an unbalanced community. They're so focused on their own community and on their own relationship with God that they fail to see or fail to care about the needs of others. And so this curious community became careless. They didn't care about others. They didn't serve the needs of others. But Jesus didn't come so that you could come to church on Sundays. Jesus didn't come so that you could have a new group of Christian friends. Jesus came to make you more like him, to, to make you do, to, to be the, the type of person that he was, to, to love the people that he loved, to, to serve the people that, that he served, and then someday to join him in glory. But churches today, so many of them have become so focused on themselves. They've become these curious communities that they come to church to, to hear the latest gossip, to have their own needs met, to, to be fed themselves, but they lack the care of the people who really need Jesus. They don't care to, to influence others as long as they get what they want. And when they don't care to influence others, then they just get in the way. That wasn't the only group that was there. We also have the legal experts. And, and as we look at the story, we can tell that they're wrong. They, they were not right due to their encounter with Jesus. We know that something's wrong, but where did they go wrong? What didn't they get right? What way were they leaning? They knew God. I mean, they were 100% theologically right. They, I have no doubt that they studied the scriptures. I have no doubt that they spent time in prayer to God. They were the leaders. So, you know, any level of leadership automatically has influence. Yet these guys excluded themselves from the community. They were above the community. So nobody could speak against them. Nobody could, could challenge them. And so they, they had their own thoughts and their own ideas, but they ended up being truthless. Without somebody to speak against them, without, without allowing those challenges, without embracing that community, they ended up in a form of idolatry. Where they didn't really care if their ideas lined up with reality, as long as they remained the arbiters of truth. As long as everyone believed that they were right. As long as they had that connection with God and influence over other people. 
And so they rejected the truth in favor of their own religious dogma, in order to, to favor the ways that they had always done it. And this critical community, it blocked the way for people who were really trying to get to Jesus. But in contrast, in contrast, we have the caring community. And the caring community brings others to Jesus. That's this group of, of four men. They brought their friend and, the, and they laid him at the feet of Jesus. And did you notice what he said? He said, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, child, your sins are forgiven. When he saw their faith, when he saw whose faith? Not the paralytic man. He just laid there. When he saw the faith of that caring community who did whatever it took to bring him to Jesus, they couldn't do anything for him. I mean, they were part of his community. They knew the guy. They had influence over him. Why else would he let them carry, them, carry him across the city? But they couldn't do anything. They were, they were powerless to do anything for him. This, this community, they needed Jesus. And you see, so many times we have, we have lots of great nonprofit organizations, lots of great people that want to do good things, that want to help others. And, and they do a good job. They can, they can help lift people out of things, but really it's only Band-Aids. They can't address the root cause. They, they can't make real change in people's lives because without Jesus, all the care and all the community and all the influence, it's powerless to make real change. I have to chuckle at, at comments that I see on social media posts. I'll have a friend who, who is going through a hard time and, and they'll, they'll share their heart online and and everyone begins to comment on there saying, you just need to believe. But believe in what? Believe that things are going to get better? Last I checked, that doesn't make things get better. It's not likely to help if you just believe enough. Or the ones that say, I'm sending good thoughts your way. What power do your thoughts have? Your thoughts are powerless. What difference does it make? Whether you have good thoughts or bad thoughts for somebody, your thoughts won't make a difference in a situation that you have no control over. Community and influence without Jesus is powerless to bring change. And these men, they tried to help their friend. I imagine that they had done everything they could to, to help him, to provide for him, but they didn't have the power to bring real change. And when they began to bring this man, the curious community, they gathered around and, and they didn't make room. These men had to find another way to get to Jesus. And the critical community, they said, that's not the way you're supposed to do it. Follow what we say. Do it our way. And they prevent people from getting to Jesus. 
but they brought him to Jesus anyway. And when we lean too far in one direction, when we lean too far into community or, or intimacy with God with, to influence with others, then we, we become off balance. We become careless or truthless or powerless. But God has called us to be partners in his kingdom, to be heirs to his kingdom. And our ability to be effective in his kingdom is determined by the ability to move toward that sweet spot, to find that balance, to not be leaning one way or the other, to find that happy medium. That's where, within that balance, that we become effective for God's kingdom. But as I said, the cares and the concerns of this world try to pull us in one direction or another, to, to overcompensate or to overcorrect, to, to throw us off balance and make us ineffective. Because it's so easy. It's so easy to lean. Oh, I need to be spending time with God. And so we focus squarely on that or, or influencing others that, that we, we don't tap into the power of God. It's so easy to lean, more easy than it is to stand on our own two feet, to find that balance within life. And so we have to be aware of our leaning. We have to be aware of, of how we've gotten off balance, to be aware of, of how to get back to that center, to that happy medium. And so the question this morning is, where are you? What direction are you leaning? Are you leaning more towards the curious, careless Christian who, yes, you love God and, and you want to come to church, but, but you're not impacting the lives of others? Or, or are, you, are you falling into that truthless category where it, it's my way or the highway, I know all of this and I'm telling other people what to do, but nobody can speak into my life? Or maybe you've fallen into the category where you love people and you like your community, but you've lost the power to make real change. What is missing in your life? Maybe you don't know. As I said, it, as we get unbalanced, you may not be able to put your finger on it. You know that something is off. You know that something's not right, but you can't tell how to get back to that center. But there is someone who does. And so ask God, seek God to direct you back to that center. And when he shows you how to get there, follow him. Because God wants you to be in balance. God wants you to be effective in your ministry. God wants you to be be in, in touch with him and the community and touching the lives of others. That's kind of the point of this 30 days of prayer. To, to focus us that we can be effective in God's mission. Because people need Jesus. People in this room need Jesus. People in our lives and in our community need Jesus. So many of us have become careless or truthless, or powerless. And we need God to bring us back into balance. So my, my urging, once again, 
Spend time in prayer. Seek God so that he can bring you back to that center. Ask him to reveal how you've become out of balance, what direction you are leaning, how to get you back to that sweet spot, that, that happy medium of balance. Because we cannot change this community without God. We cannot be changed ourselves without his power. And so through this community, through this body of Christ, is how this overall community will have a true, lasting encounter with Jesus. Bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, God, I pray that, that we would find balance and we wouldn't become like so many churches and become careless. Or we're happy with the way we're doing things. We're happy to come to church and sing our songs. We're happy to, to have God in our lives, but making no impact in the lives of others. I pray that we don't become truthless where it's our way or the highway. We don't, we don't let people speak into our lives. We don't allow your cor correction in our hearts because we're just so intent on, on maintaining the status quo. And God, please do not let us become powerless because without you, there is no church. God, may we, may we come together as one body seeking to influence other people, but God, may we not exclude you. God, guide us back to balance. Guide us back to, to the center, to that, to that happy medium where we can be effective for your kingdom. God, search our hearts and bring us back into balance with you. We pray this in the holy name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.